Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> what is up, everybody? It is Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for listening. And yes, the froth cycle has started over again with Hump Day Blogorama, weekly show where I take you on a little stroll around the old RPG blogosphere. I talk about some stuff I spotted here on the podcast, and then I put up all the links for you in order over at the Thought Eater blog. Google Thought Eater blog, go to frothsofdnd.blogspot.com, frothsofdnd.blogspot.com. And why not add me to your blog roll while you're at it? I mentioned it before, but go ahead and slap that sucker on there. It won't hurt. So, yeah, things are going all right. Kind of a frustrating day at work today, but turning all that off, shutting all that out to talk about some blog goodness. Uh, if you haven't checked it out already, over the weekend I dropped Sunday Zine Club Episode 2 with an interview with Ray Otis, legendary anchorite from the Plundergrounds podcast, Plunderground, Plunderground Zine, and many, many other zines. And uh, So if you haven't checked that out, uh, please do. And I'm looking forward to this Sunday. I've got complete Zine Quest coverage. Your one-stop complete zine quest coverage, as well as, very excited about this, drum roll, I've got an interview, assuming nothing goes wrong with the technology, I'll be interviewing Nate Treem of the Highland Paranormal Society for this weekend's Sunday Zine Club. Nate is going to join the club. Can't wait to talk with Nate, uh, talk about creative, they've come up you know, come up multiple times here on the hump day blogorama. And so that should be a good conversation. Looking forward to it. Before we jump in to this week's stuff, I've got a few call-ins to get to a few new bloggers I've spotted some of that good stuff. But first I've got a couple of call-ins related to last week's five minute Friday. If you haven't checked it out yet, it wasn't even five minutes this time. I think it was only like three minutes and change. So <clears throat> you can go back and easily check it out. But I was singing the praises of my new dice tower. I got this clear acrylic dice tower. You can see the dice dancing down. Makes a satisfying clickety clack. And I had a couple, you know, I asked people on social media if they had a favorite gaming accessory, you know, that wasn't a book, some kind of accessory. And a couple of people said some interesting things. Uh, uh, Mo from um, Tabletop Bellhop posted an image of their their Franken screen, you know, their Franken screen DM DM screen that they've made. Uh, that was cool. I had someone else telling me about this set of uh, index cards that they've made that's special to them. Um, someone else like uses the Paranoia, the game Paranoia, the Paranoia GM screen, no matter what system they're playing, and uh, they say they love that screen. Uh, but I got a couple of call-ins we're going to listen to regarding that. Hey, Froth. Happy weekend to you. I saw your dice your dice thing on your blog this morning, and I think that's pretty cool. Now, I don't game, but the current thing that brings me so much joy right now is that for Christmas, Tim's mom got him a weeding couch for his office. So it's like a, it's like a uh, I don't know, a love seat 
sort of thing. And then my mom got him an ottoman. And there's a light and there's a little book stand next to it. And right now, that little place, I've spent so much time there reading. That's what brings me joy. Right now. Have a good weekend with Scout. Hey, Frogs, it's Cody. I just listened to your Ode to Your Dice Tower episode, and, man, um, making me really want one. The uh, The only experience I've ever had with a dice tower was at uh, North Texas RPG Con. They put out these cardboard ones, and they plastered with the, the convention logo, and you don't really get the nice clickety-clack. It's more just like a thud as the dice kind of hits the bottom and spills out onto the table. Um I never understood the appeal of a dice tower, to be honest. Um, I, I feel like it takes longer to roll the dice that way. But I imagine the appeal, when, when you described it in the way you did, it, it reminded me of watching a gumball come down, you know, those those quarter gumball machines with the spiral that the gumball rolls down. Um, I imagine it's a lot like that, and that makes me want one because I love those things. So anyway, bud, keep up the good work. I'll catch you later. Froth, one more thing. Um, I know you've mentioned it a lot that the, the SOF is Cider Fries and that it's a really long story. And I've wonder, I'm wondering, have you have you ever explained it to us fully yet, or is it something um, that's going to remain a mystery? If you have explained it to us, can you just point me in the right direction so I can go figure it out? Um, the the suspense is killing me, man. All right, so good stuff there. Um, first, Ivy the Happy Whisk. Thanks for sharing some info about your current happy place. I like to hear about that. And then Cody, you nailed it because it is absolutely, if it was just a dice tower that was, uh, you know, that was not transparent, the magic would not be there, but it is absolutely part of that gumball, that gumball effect, seeing it bounce down. Now I talked with Ray Otis and Ray had mentioned listening to the episode, but Ray was disappointed that I didn't, you know, roll so people can hear the clickety clack. And Ray, of course, is always right. So I was like, oh, I don't, I didn't even think about that. You know, it's like, like, thanks a lot, Ray. Now I got a complex about it. So the clickety clack. Oh yeah, just one more of those. Ah, sweet, clear acrylic, faux wood panels. Yes, it's all about being able to see them come down like the gumball machine. That's a hundred percent the appeal. Um, as far as the side of fries go, yeah, you're making me laugh about it. Cause I'm going to have to keep that one, you know, a mystery wrapped in an enigma at this point, you know, I, talking with Cody, Cody M here from the no save for you podcast. You know, maybe I'll just talk to you privately about it, Cody, but I, I'm not ready to unleash that on, on the world just yet. So, uh, but you know, and, and then now, you know, that maybe the curiosity is, is, is kind of better than the actual thing. So maybe I'll leave that out there for a little bit. The SOF from the froth saw. So anyway, uh, got a call in about last week's final topic from Joe Richter from Wheeler Woe and Hindsightless. Uh, and the final topic was all talking about, you know, finishing strong ideas about finishing a campaign. This was based on an article over at Gnome Stew blog. Uh, that was good and good advice for anybody. Um, because sometimes you're, you know, you have to wrap up a campaign fairly quickly and you've got just enough time to, to end strong 
or you're going to end a campaign that you might come back to. And so it had some ideas and stuff like that. So let's hear what Joe's got to say. Thanks again to Cody and Ivy the Happy Whisk for calling in. Hey, yo, Froth, dude, thanks for the deep dive. And I certainly, like I said, I was not doubting you. And that's just crazy how much money that they're making. Good for them. I'm not sure that there's exactly the same amount of money in RPGs that there are in video games, but it's probably close. And, you know, good for those cats. I'm glad they're out there doing it. And your final thought for this week is basically my biggest fear in role-playing games, bringing the campaign to an end. That is just, I mean, it's nuts. It's hard. Stephen King talks about how writing the ends are hard because you're never going to please everybody. So, yeah, I mean, we've been running our campaign, the Wheeler Woe campaign, for about 17 months now, and we're getting close to it, to the end. And it's a little terrifying. It makes it even harder that there are a bunch of people now listening to the story and invested in the story. And yeah, so, I mean, I, I want to be able to bring this off, to bring it to a great conclusion. And it's just, yeah, man. So I'm glad you brought that up. Because it is a rarity, I, f I find, <laughs> to actually bring a campaign to the end. So, great stuff. Um, yeah, keep up the great work and wish me luck. Peace out. All right, so Joe Richter there again from the Wheeler Woe podcast. They're referencing uh, their actual play, Pathfinder podcast, and, of course, Legendary Anchorite from the Hindsightless podcast as well. And, Joe, I, you know, I got to tell you, I think I tell people this all the time in my work that having a little nervousness and a little bit of anxiety can be a good thing. It can be helping you focus and it shows you really care. You know, if you were cool as a cucumber about it, you might not be that invested. So just use it to focus yourself. That's my two cents. And I'm sure you're going to come up with something. I'm sure you're going to come up with something great. I have no doubt about it because you're a creative individual. So. Um, I have no doubt you're going to wrap it up and, you know, check out that link. It's got some good ideas as far as, you know, one thing that I always like doing is, is looking for some kind of ending for each of the, the, the characters, something that maybe even ties back into something from months and months and months ago, you know, or an NPC or something like that. And then also maybe a look at, ahead at, you know, you can even ask your players, you know, what they see their characters doing, you know, down the line or whatever, anything like that, 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 that uh, also feels like the story might have been continued some way, you know, kind of like I was talking about from, you know, classic 80s movies where they, you know, at the end they'll, they'll put the little captions up about what happened to a character or that sort of thing. It all, always works. You can't do that wrong, I don't think. But also making reference there to some talk about Critical Role over the last couple of weeks. Starting to feel just slightly creepy. Oh, no, a lot creepy talking about other people's money and everything, but, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about all the different revenue streams Critical Role has, and I thought I would mention that I noticed just a couple days ago that uh, Critical Role merchandise is now being sold at Hot Topic. You can buy, like, Critical Role sweatshirts and, and stuff like that, uh, which, you know, no matter, you know, no, no matter how you look at it, 
That's incredible that a, a group of people streaming D&D are having their merchandise sold at, at a store like that. You know, to me, it's, it's, it's awesome. I'm, I'm happy for them. Uh, but that, that, just go, that just shows the popularity of it. The other thing I was thinking about, it being tax season, I was like, oh, man, I'd hate to be doing Critical Role's taxes. You know, I'm sure they've got a CPA up to their necks and, uh, you know, expenses. And, and I'm sure they, you know, reinvest a lot back into the, you know, the Critical Role business. You know, not just to, to, to grow the, the brand, but also to, you know, avoid paying taxes as much as you can and everything. And, uh, that's just what any business would do. And so I was thinking about that, thinking about the, the taxes, what those, those have to look like for, for, for them. And, uh, and then the other last thing I was thinking about, probably the last thing I say on it, at least for a while, but I was also thinking about how their success is kind of, um, you know, determined by the, the how popular D and D is again. And it got me just thinking about, you know, how long is this wave of uh, D&D popularity going to last? You know, is this like a, you know, because for a lot of people, it's a permanent thing. You know, you get hooked on it when you're young and, and you're playing years later, introducing your kids. It's a generational thing. A lot of people, though, that played in the early 80s when it was kind of like a fad type thing, uh, stopped playing. Maybe they never stopped loving it or having good memories of it, but uh, didn't continue to play. And so I'm wondering, is it still growing or is it, uh, is it peaked or, um, you know, is, is it going to be a short, um, resurgence or is this going to be, you know, just continue to grow and just kind of stay level as of being a part of, uh, you know, a big part of, of, of culture, youth culture and otherwise. Um, so, you know, just anecdotally, it seems to kind of still be growing, um, uh, you know, at, I live in Athens, Georgia, went to UGA back in the day, and we have a college radio station, 90.5, at UGA, and um, I was listening, and I heard some folks mention that they do an actual actual play of uh, Star Wars RPG as a show on, on the college radio now. That's something that never would have happened, you know, has never happened before. Uh, I, I don't know if they're playing a 5e version or fantasy flight games or whatever, but I was like, oh, wow. You know, it's it's big when, you know, the, one of the actual shows on our college radio is, is folks playing, you know, doing a live role play, you know, weekly show of, of playing Star Wars. Um, the other thing, too, is, you know, I, I, I play in a, a 5e game with a friend with and a lot of the players are, are brand new they're all you know young hip in their 20s and you know cool kids and they're getting into it and are just now kind of getting into it so i imagine uh, you know it's just fun it's just awesome so i wouldn't be surprised to see it, it continue to grow but you also wonder you know how long it'll last and how it'll it would affect people if it just kind of all of a sudden you know, lost that popularity, but I, I hope it continues to, to stay a big thing, a big part of, of the culture. And, uh, I, you know, if they continue, if wizards continues to kind of play their cards, right, the way they're doing now, um, you know, 5e is not, you know, not super simple, but it's not as complex as, as fourth edition, certainly not as much as three uh, X. Um, and, uh, that allows for people to get into the game easier. They've got the free basic rules, so it's cheap to get into the game. 
as well as some good starter sets. Uh, lots of people playing online so people can watch it and get an idea about it. Uh, so that's not really a barrier to entry. And then, um, you know, it's constantly getting mentioned in the, in the culture and everything else. So, uh, and then they got the DMs Guild going where people can actually, you know, make a few bucks and, and you know, feel like they're creating for it and, and all that. So, so anyway, those are kind of my last, my last thoughts on that for a little bit. But anyway, I appreciate the call, Joe. Like I say, I've got total faith in you. All right, so just a couple more things that you'll find under the intro tab. Again, all this stuff is over at the Thought Eater blog. Che Webster from the Roleplay Rescue podcast, Legendary Anchorite. They were blogging over at ubiquitousrat.net, but they I wanted to mention they have launched a new site, roleplayrescue.com. Sleek-looking WordPress blog here. It looks great. They've got several posts up as well as you know links and everything you get to their podcast. Most recent posts, they're doing a first impressions look at old school essentials. And I'm seeing some traveler reviews and other unboxings and stuff like that over there. So one to bookmark. Uh, Che's stuff is awesome. So roleplayrescue.com, new site from Che Webster. Then a couple of brands, spanking new bloggers that I want to welcome to the blogosphere. Starting over at The Roaring Fantasist. TheRoaringFantasist.blogspot.com. This is Fluff Sorcerer's blog. Uh, they've just got two posts up so far and, uh, looks good. Uh, let's see one D six angels for your campaign with original signs inspired by Anakian script. So they're getting esoteric with you right from the get go. I like it. Uh, so check that out. The roaring Welcome to the blogosphere fluff sorcerer and love the title of this one. Make a new cult every day, make a new cult every day. Blogspot.com. I knew immediately what that was from Bell and Sebastian song stars of track and field, which incidentally is the song that really hooked me on Bell and Sebastian. I had heard like an, one song and I just like, ah, I don't get, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of twee. I don't not much for it. And now they are kind of twee, but in the best possible sense I've seen them live. They're, they're fantastic. But when I heard that, Stars of Track and Field, I was hooked. The lyrics are so good. So, uh, and this is a lyric from, you know, taken from a lyric from that song. Make a new cult every day. Blogspot.com. This is Al Coop's blog. And you've got some free stuff right from the get go because they've got Runaway Princesses, another blog hack. So, the Runaway Princesses uh, PDF, you can download that here on the brand new blog. Make a new cult every day. Blogspot.com. The map segment of Hump Day Blogorama is proudly brought to you by Frank Turfler, legendary anchorite of Frank T's Liner Notes. I've been backing Frank T's Patreon for a while. High quality, full color, world class battle maps, sci-fi, fantasy, and otherwise. Innovative print and paste terrain that brings your table to life. Multiple support tiers, including a commercial tier, which will allow you to use Frank T's creations in your own commercial projects. You can sample some of the quality of the work by looking for Frank's Free Map Friday posts. So whether you are a creator that is looking for some cartography for a new project, whether you are a GM gaming online or in person at the table, or you're just like Froth, a map junkie, and you can't get enough of this stuff. Go right now to patreon.com forward slash Frank T and check it out. Okay, thanks as always to Frank Turfler there. Legendary Anchorite does the Frank T's Liner Notes podcast. 
and the patreon.com forward slash Frank T trove of goodness. Thank you, Frank, for supporting the program and supporting the map segment. Thought I'd mention before I get into the maps, Frank's got a great idea. I, you know, I try pushing people over to the Patreon to check it out. They've got a great new idea where they're going to be doing some little room interiors, little cards and, uh, you know, kind of maps for Call of Cthulhu, which uh, has got me really excited. Something that is definitely needed for that game is more just kind of room interiors and stuff to be able to use. Uh, so that's, that's exciting. So be sure and go over to patreon.com forward slash Frank T. You don't want to miss that stuff that's coming down the pike. All right. <clears throat> maps. I've got some interesting stuff for y'all this week. I'm starting over at the Captain Ahab's Leg blog. CaptainAhabsLeg.blogspot.com. Relatively recent blog. I mentioned it before. Had a post up. Monster Map and Mini Dungeon. And they're talking about their home campaign. They've got this cool uh, monster drawing that their daughter did. What I really loved was this map they use. And uh, you'll have to look and check it out because it's almost like a map meets collage. And they're using um, red thread to represent a river and uh, purple thread to represent a road. And uh, so it's this cool um, artifact from their actual game where it's kind of map, old school map meets collage. And you just got to kind of see it to see what I'm talking about. Anyway, I've got links over at the Thought Eater blog to take you to Captain's Ahab, Captain Ahab's leg.blogspot.com to check out that cool map. Matt Jackson, another legendary anchorite. Blogs over at msg msjx.org. And I thought this was a cool post because it's not really so much about a map, but it's map symbols. You know, mapping sim symbols that you can use for your maps. I tried to kind of uh, do some sleuthing to figure out where the, the first image that they shared was, was from. It may be from this Dungeon Stamps product, but I was unable to verify for sure. They didn't know where it was from either, but it's some cool map symbols. But then they have another key uh, from Richard LeBanc at New Big Dragon Games. That's a free um, download over at the New Big Dragon site. So anyway, I always talk about these maps, but uh, don't often talk about map keys and ways you can represent things. So a couple of cool um, cool um, you know, offerings shared here from Matt Jackson over at msjx.org. Uh, so yeah, Goblin's Henchman, always doing something different. Put up a post, the DMG map drawn in their simple Excel mapper. So you can uh, download their Excel mapper over uh, at DriveThru, pay what you want. And they're showing off what their little Excel mapper program they've got can do. And uh, so they're they're doing the sample dungeon from the 1E DMG. And... Uh, you know, that Gygax sort of starts off for you and then, you know, leaves you to key the rest. Incidentally, you know, they keyed the rest over at Dragon's Foot. They made an adventure or something, the Crimson Monks or something. I forget forget off the top of my head. But <clears throat> I thought this was a cool way to demonstrate what the Excel mapper can do. And uh, fans of the 1E DMG should immediately recognize this. So that's over at goblinshenchman.wordpress.com. And then this was another kind of different thing that I, I, I like. This is at tabletopgamingnews.com. They did a post called Monday Terrain Corner. They're talking a little bit about, you know, terrain you can buy for uh, your war games or whatever else. But then they show an image for this of this licensed game mat for the Labyrinth board game. And I love the image. What a cool mat to use for a game. Uh, and so it, it just struck me as a, as a cool uh, uh, map. Uh, and to see it being used for a mat for this Labyrinth board game I thought was pretty awesome. 
Bunch of reviews and retrospectives to bounce through. I'm starting over at Merrick's Musings, MerrickB.com. Merrick B has a long-running blog, and they have done a lot of support for D&D, going back at least through 4E, and do a lot of reviews of products that you don't typically see reviews. You know, of uh, the you know the major hardbacks and everything, you'll see a lot of reviews of it. But what what I wanted to share was uh, Merrick B doing a review of a uh, D&D Adventure League adventure in the Garden of Evil. And uh, this Merrick's site is a really good resource if you want to look into some of these Adventurers League adventures because um, a lot of them are, you know, a lot of them are not my cup of tea or we're not the greatest experience playing through them. But quite a few of them are quite good and actually very affordable to where, you know, if you're looking for some 5e adventures, Go over here to the Merrick's Musing site, look through some of these reviews of some of the Adventurers League products, and you might be able to find uh, some good adventurers to, um, you know, to supplement your 5e play with the large hardbacks, because all the Adventurers League seasons kind of tend to tie in with a major hardback release. So anyway, they've got a review of this new one uh, in the Garden of Evil over there. If you've never spent time over there and you're a 5e fan, I def definitely recommend you bookmark it and have a look around over at MerrickB.com. Then, I love this vintage RPG Tumblr. I've mentioned it a few times. They're always showing some cool artifacts. So, a couple of posts from VintageRPG.Tumblr.com. One, the original Moro Project, which is a game that I've always wanted to play. I wish I knew a, a GM that was really familiar with this game. Um, uh, post-apocalyptic sci-fi game set in the six, uh, well, in the sixties, this is from the post, a group of American industrials predict that a nuclear war is coming. So they set about building a fail safe, a network of cryogenically frozen teams that after the war can awaken and with the help of a central command hub, rebuild civilization. And so you are part of this team and, uh, it's a pretty complex game. I've got a copy of it. Um, that's why I'd love a GM that was really well versed with it. It's actually quite technical and, uh, pretty thoughtful and, uh, you know, came out, uh, back in this, is the second edition. This is what I've, I've seen. I haven't, I've never seen a first edition of this, but this was from back in 1981. So anyway, uh, fast, you know, even if maybe you don't use that system and just use the setting and everything, it'd be really cool. But if you've never heard of the Moro project, want to see some pictures from this and learn more about it. There's that. And then another uh, real rarity here. And I'm seeing price tags on this one for like $250. that has got to be old because uh, this is from uh, the, the Dragon Tree, Stones of the Sect. And this is looking, uh, Stones of the Celt, my bad. Uh, Stones of the Celt, a third-party 1E Dungeons & Dragons adventure module published by Dragon Tree Press. Never seen this before. Um was meant to be the first of six modules exploring the islands of X-Pay. Um, and the, the other five parts never came out. So anyway, Stones of the Celt from the Dragon Tree. An old school 1981 third party 1E D&D adventure module. You want to see some images and stuff from that. I love this old stuff. I'd love to get my hands on this. I wonder what they're selling for. Got to be a lot. Uh, and then, okay, Adventures in Gaming, James Mishler's blog. You might know that name, James Mishler. Adventures in Gaming 2.blogspot.com. Did up a kind of a retrospective post, Games I Wish I Had Written. And they're mentioning the Mike's Dungeon product from Jeffrey McKinney of Carcosa fame. This is a kind of a no frills yet massive 
uh, level mega dungeon that they recently re uh, released. Uh, they're also talking about uh, uh, Jeffrey's Carcosa mo uh, modules. I've got all these. And then they mention, again, uh, uh, I've mentioned a couple times recently, Gabor Lux's Castle Zentillon, which I thought that I would, again, shine some light on because it is great. I got mine in the mail. You'll be able to find some, you know, the, the overseas chip, shipping to the U.S. was, whew, little, literally like a critical hit, you know, to do that. It was like 20-something bucks to get it shipped. But the good news is the good folks over at Exalted Funeral have gotten some copies. And uh, I don't know if they've got some right now or if they're getting some more in, but that's where I picked mine up. Much more merciful. And this thing is fantastic. You know, a lot of times I buy these books, they hold my interest for a minute. And then I'm flipping to something else or I come back to it, whatever. This one I've been reading because it is just really well done from the layout to the, the whole thing is like a love letter to um, Judges Guild's Tegel Manor. That's what it feels like. It feels, and uh, it's, it's really good. I'd love to run this thing and, and I'm sure I eventually will, eventually. But uh, Castles and Tillin from Gabor Lux, great module. And they're uh, reviewing that. So a couple of cool new old school products getting mentioned at adventuresingaming2.blogspot.com. Pookie, Pookie UK over at Reviews from Royer, royerreviews.blogspot.com. One of the most consistent and prolific reviewers you'll find in the blogosphere. Always love going over and see what Pookie's up to, and they're talking about, this post is Danger Down Under, Terror Australis, the uh, relatively recent, at least the second edition, maybe the, the third edition uh, of, of this source book for uh, Australia, Call of Cthulhu and the Land Down Under. So you know right away if this is for you or not. Uh, but if you're, uh, you know, obviously if you're running Master of Nyarlathotep, there's a whole um, Australia section there that I guess was not maybe in the first, uh, was it Australia? Yeah, I think that they added the Australia piece after the very first edition of Massonar Lothotep. But, but anyway, it's been there for years now. So uh, kind of similar to the Sassoon files I was talking about last week, this like for Shanghai, this would be one that maybe would be a, a good thing to uh, use to expand on Australia if you're going to run Massonar Lothotep. So anyway, check this out, royerreviews.blogspot.com. What else do I have? Okay, I'm over at Knight Errant Jr.'s blog, knighterrantjr.blogspot.com. This came up when I was talking to Tim Shorts on the Sunday Zine Club a couple weeks ago. Or no, it was just me listening to the Gothridge Manor podcast. Anyway, they talked about this book they had picked up, The Monsters Know What They're Doing, Combat Tactics for Dungeon Masters. I ended up just looking around for it because I like the, the title, The Monsters Know What They're Doing. And it ends up being, a, you know, this blog and this blog has uh, kind of compiled a lot of their stuff into this, this book that's out now. And so that's getting reviewed over here at knighterrantjr.blogspot.com. So if you're into 5e, it is 5e related, but you want to check out, uh, maybe you're, you're getting, you know, stomped by your players. You want to get some new tactics, that kind of thing. Check out this book. The monsters know what they're doing. Might help you out. Finally, on the reviews, I'm taking you over to the Awesome Lies blog, awesomelies.blog.wordpress.com. Gideon over here. If you're into Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, you're probably already aware of this site, but if not, get over there. Um, tons of great Warhammer Fantasy stuff, including this mammoth project they did that I've mentioned um, in the Hump Days past 
where they did a whole uh, campaign uh, or companion volume uh, for the enemy within. There's massive, massive amount of um, support material to help folks run in that for the classic edition, you know. Uh, but now they're reviewing the new Cubicle 7 Enemy in Shadows companion for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 4th edition. And this is the first of five planned companion volumes to accompany their reissues of the Enemy Within campaign for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 4th edition. And they give it a really positive review and they go into great detail with a lot of images and everything and what you're going to get there. So if you have upgraded to uh, Warhammer Fantasy 4E and are looking at this Enemy Within stuff coming out, you know, your game is going to be much better um, for it if you look at some of this supplementary companion material um, that just kind of dramatically expands and uh, gives you more information to, to try to run this. Um, I know that Gideon stuff uh, certainly has helped me wrap my mind around the enemy within and just you know, kind of better prepare you for the uh, mammoth undertaking that it can be. So anyway... Check that out, review of the Enemy in Shadows Companion, part one of five planned companion volumes for the Enemy Within reissue. All right, let's roll on some random tables. I've got that sweet, clear acrylic dice tower ready to go. And, you know, having done this show for over a year now, there are some real you know, giants of the random table scene. Uh, you hear their names every week, uh, or, you know, frequently. And one of them is Cackle Charm over at the Mance, the Mance gaming.blogspot.com. They put up a post. It's one you need to just bookmark the big mutation table. And they say it's a result of several years of writing and illustrating. It links to, you know, results can link to other blog posts they've been doing on mutations and everything. So we've got the D100 mutation table to end all mutation tables. I'm going to roll on this sucker and see what happens. Looking for a mutation. Let's see. I grow an elephant trunk in place of my nose. The trunk can be used as a prehensile limb that can grip objects roughly, but can only use small weapons like daggers or clubs at a minus two to attack rolls. So kind of like Dumbo with a feather. You can also breathe through it, but you lose some of your sensitivity to smell. The trunk looks like a typical gray elephant trunk. Uh, oh, actually, I roll a D3 to see what the trunk looks like. Uh, the trunk looks like my normal skin covering stretched into a weird trunk-like shape. Gross. Gross. All right, so I got an elephant trunk in place of my nose. I can use it, but only with small daggers or clubs. Let's see what else. What other kind of mutations have I got going on? Uh, crystals grow in my flesh. Now I'm going to have to roll on the flesh crystal growths table. All right, so I got the nose. You know, I got the, the trunk. Also, I have flesh crystal growths. And what kind of crystal growth do I have? Transparent, flexible crystals replaced your hair, keeping their length. Soft one on your head. Uh, but once, okay, soft on your head, but once plucked, they can be used as razor wire. So my hair is now crystals. I can pull them off, but they're really sharp like razor wire when I, can, when I pluck them off. So anyway, this thing goes on and on, multiple blog posts. You know, you can play on this thing forever. I use it in a, you know, uh, Gamma World game, whatever. 
themancegaming.blogspot.com. Cackle Charm is doing some amazing stuff with random tables over there. I love it. Now I'm going over Ratcatcher. Ratcatcher.org. I liked this post. D12 other forms potions can take. The title kind of explains everything. Don't want to give away a potion. What's another form the potion can take? Where's my D12? There you are. Okay, bubblegum. Instead of a potion, it's bubblegum. Slow release of the potion over 20 minutes or so. Don't pop the bubble. What about another form that potion can take? This is a great idea. I love this one. Um, syringe. Very effective, but the come down is usually horrible. Inject me with a healing potion. <laughs> All right. I like that. So good stuff. You know, get 12 of these. This is over at ratcatcher.org and this is Hemi's blog. So look, great, great ideas. D12 other forms potions can take. And then I had to step by, you know, another, another king of the random tables over here. Chris Tam at elfmaidsandoccupy.blogspot.com. When I saw this title, I knew I had to talk about it. Your dungeon needs cave clams. So this is kind of like a cave clam overload. I mean, it's got stats for cave clams, a bunch of different kinds of cave clams. But I love this t the title of this uh, table. D10 Cave Clam Adventures. So you're going to have a cave clam adventure. You can come over here to Elf Mates Octopi and roll on it and see what... Uh, so a child fell into a cave through a hole. An adult-sized entry by the old alchemist Ruin Heap will let you get in to save the child. Locals all fear the dreaded clams and give up hope. The child has fallen into a cave through a hole. Can you save the child before the dreaded cave clams get to them? So, anyway, it's that kind of originality you just can't, you know, you just can't find anywhere else other than healthmatesandoccupy.blogspot.com. All right, the ever-popular free stuff. Spend a fortune on the hobby? Or just download that free stuff. Or be like Frost. Spend a fortune on the hobby and download the free stuff. That's the best, right? All right, so <clears throat> I was not going to forget K-Trey over at the D4 Caltrips blog, blog.d4caltrips.com. Another one of these titans of random tables. And they've been doing this series. I mentioned the first one last week. Um... If you're into old school essentials, which is the new, you know, kind of old school hotness right now, or playing BX, Labyrinth Ward, whatever else, they've been doing this series of uh, OSC encounter activities. They've been going through all the monsters, you know, from BX, old school essentials, whatever, you know, basic D&D, however you want to look at it. And they've done random tables with downloadable PDFs for all of these. So, you know, or they're working their way through them. So I was talking about the Acolytes table last week. Since then, listen to this. Since then, they put up white apes, lizardmen, bandits, basilisk, bats, beetles. All these, I've got links to all of them. And this is just up till, till now. I'm sure they'll be putting more and more out. But you can download PDFs for all these. So thought I'd roll a little extra roll on one of them. This is on the white ape table. Encounter activities. D100 table. The White Apes. These are must download, basically. Especially if you just picked up Old School Essentials. You're going to get... You know, it's like having a whole new, new gaming supplement for this stuff. Uh, let's see. They are digging up tasty tubers with teeth-sharpened sticks. They're digging up a tasty tuber. What else are those White Apes up to? 
They are raucously drunk on overripe stone fruits. So, yeah, you get the idea. And it's got these for a bunch of different uh, creatures so far. So, anyway, check that out at the D4 Caltrips blog. K-Trey is just doing an amazing job. All right, let me get some of this other stuff open. I had a bunch of stuff open at once. All right, so, uh, you know... I was not kind to it when it first started coming out for 5e, but uh, Dragon Magazine, now the Dragon Plus Magazine, uh, has been improving. I mentioned that before, and a new edition, uh, you know, a new, uh, you know, online edition of the Dragon Magazine is out, and it's got a bunch of stuff you can download for free. So if you haven't checked one of these out, or you looked at it when they first came out. And of course, you know, there's tons of advertising in it. It is what it is. But they, they've been consistently adding more and more downloadable things, maps, PDFs, and everything else. So I thought I'd mention that that is out now if you want to check it out. Then uh, this was over at wondrousadventure.com. They put up a generic campaign hex map. And so I just thought this was a cool sheet. It's got a key. It's got a little adventure area, so if you want, uh, rather than just download just plain hex paper, uh, I thought this was a pretty neat uh, variant uh, campaign hex map PDF that you could download. So you can check that out. That's from Zach Wolf over at wondrousadventure.com. This is an old post, this next one, going back to 2010, over at the Hish Graphics blog, hishgraphics.com from Hisham over there. Uh, but I was looking around at some Star Wars d6 stuff uh you know i, I mentioned uh, the the new adventurers journals was my freezing of the week on uh, last week's sunday zine club and came across this gm screen that they had done so this is free this is for star wars d6 but it is so good the way the use of color and everything else on this so even though this is going back 10 years I had the feeling there might be some Star Wars D6 fans out there that maybe had not seen this uh, GM screen, and it's one of the best I've ever seen, so I had to link that. Hishgraphics.com. Hisham with the killer Star Wars D6 GM screen. Then over at Dumpstat, dumpstatadventures.com, they do a lot of cool 5e resources and stuff like that. They've got a spellcasting cheat sheet up for, for players. Would definitely be helpful maybe for new players just wrapping their mind around spellcasting. Check that out. Dumpstatadventures.com. Thriftomancer. Thriftomancer at the Dice in the North blog. Diceinthenorth.blogspot.com. They put up a post called Crowfoot. They said they made a new system, a lightweight, flexible skeleton rule set, easily adapted to any setting, runs on a D4 dice pool because the D4 doesn't get enough love. And so, yeah, Crowfoot. Thriftomancer. Download it now for free over at diceinthenorth.blogspot.com. Now, I mentioned the Awesome Lies blog earlier, and I mentioned them again because this, oh, this is the kind of stuff I live for from the blogs, the Cthulhu Within Omnibus. Now, I mentioned a while back, long-time listeners of Hump Day Blogorama would remember me mentioning Gideon uh, did, was doing a series of posts called Cthulhu Within, where they were talking about converting the original Warhammer Fantasy Enemy Within campaign to Call of Cthulhu. Now they have combined the, the stuff into a PDF you can download. So the Enemy Within meets Call of Cthulhu. It sounds like basically gamer heaven to me. So check that out at awesomelivesblog.wordpress.com, that Cthulhu Within Omnibus PDF. All right, over at Dreaming Dragon Slayer, dreamingdragonslayer.wordpress.com. 
They put up a post, Dread Scenario, Horror on the Siberian Express. So it's for the game Dread, a mystery horror dread scenario about a 10-hour train ride from Shanghai to Moscow. A free PDF inspired by the classic Horror Express. Well, classic, uh, classic to some. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, Telly Savalas. I had an old VHS of this that I think uh, uh, was something, you know, I think I got it for a gift. Maybe it's like in a dollar bin or something, you know. It was, it was not a very good transfer and everything else. But, but anyway, um, uh, horror scenario for Dread, inspired by Horror Express, free, P free PDF over at the Dreaming Dragon Slayer blog. All right, some miscellaneous stuff. Uh, first of all, got to share this. Giving shouts out to a bunch of legendary anchorites. This is from uncaringcosmos.com. I've mentioned this blog several times. They focus on old school British RPGs. And they have put up a post, Voices of the British Old School. And they came across a lot of these legendary anchorites from across the pond from me that are doing awesome work. Uh, and they, they uh, put up some links and stuff and gave some love to, um, to a lot of these anchorites, including Scott Mounthouse of Delvecast, Pete Jones of Dragons Are Real, Dave Aldridge of D Percentile, Andy G from Expeditions to the Grizzly Peaks, Goblin's Henchman, Free Thrall, Keep Off the Borderlands, uh, The Purple Worm, where a lot of them form like Voltron and, po and podcast together, Che Webster from Roleplay Rescue, Barry Dewey Robertson of Shadow of the GM, Colin Green from Spike Pit, John Allen Large of the Red Dice Diaries, and Shandy Andy from Unguarded Treasure. So they've got links up to all this, and I love, uh, they even notice how Anchor works. They say, I love how they built a community sending one another questions and comments via call-ins. And uh, so they're really enjoying it, so I thought that was cool. Check that out over at uncaringcosmos.com. Cool post at Dungeon Master Magazine, dmmagazine.blogspot.com. What could have been? Gary Gygax's Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition. If you're not familiar with uh, Gygax's writing in Dragon 103, where, where before Gygax was ousted from TSR, he was laying out his plans for 2nd Edition D&D, uh, AD&D, I should say. Um, you can read this blog post. It goes through uh, the different ideas that he had and you know what might have been. So cool, cool historical post over at the Dungeon Master Magazine blog. Uh, Wizards of the Coast has uh, formed a new game studio to make a new sci-fi RPG. Archetype Entertainment's the name of that. It's not D&D based or magic based, but uh, it's described as uh, being uh, set in an all-new science fiction universe, sending players on a story-driven epic where choices they make will have real consequences on how the story unfolds. So just a little piece of news there that I thought I might mention that crossed my path. Wizards of the Coast, new game studio, making a new sci-fi RPG with Bioware vets. This was cool over at Geek Native, geeknative.com, a giant family tree of tabletop RPGs. Someone named Pascal Martinoli was using a data set search from Google to search through sets of data, and they put together this giant RPG family tree. Huge PDF. Uh, and this is the kind of thing you can spend a lot of time with because you start looking through it and looking at the lineage of certain games and, and how they join up. And then you start seeing games that you've never heard of or games that you had forgotten. And, um, you know, what's directly related to D and D what's related to traveler, what's just standing on its own with nothing else attached. Really, really cool. In fact, this could be a whole podcast in and of itself talking about this, but 
I'll let somebody else worry about that. But a giant family tree of tabletop RPGs. Love this. Very interesting. Uh, a real-time killer, so be careful. And then finally, this is a great post. This is up for post of the year, I would say, so far, because I just love this idea so much. This is the Arrogant Wizard blog. Arrogantwizard.blogspot.com. see if I've got a name. Don't see it. Probably just Arrogant Wizard, right? But anyway, they put up a post. It takes a village to raise an adventuring party. And the whole idea with this is, they say, what if you got really gamey with how businesses and establishments and towns work? And the idea is that the businesses and stuff, establishments of a town, the, the temples, whatever, they can all kind of level up depending on the party investing and spending money there. So the idea is that... Uh, the, vi the village is kind of a shared character amongst the players. And um, anyway, as they invest that gold in the town's establishment, it eventually levels up their capabilities. So, for example, like a temple, you know, at level one, the temple just, you know, you can sell holy water to you, maybe cure some mundane diseases. But you level that temple up by continually giving to it donations, whatever, you know, however, you know, it's just like a loose idea. But um, by the time you get to like level three, they can raise dead and remove curses, right? Or um, a general store. They offer just basic stuff like rope backpacks and torches at level one. Uh, but then, um, you know, as they level up, they start getting better gear and then get, um, you know, really nice items. Or a blacksmith that can only repair weapons and armor, not make them. And then eventually, like a level three, can um, occasionally attract a wandering arcane artisan that will sell some magic items. You know, And so I just love this idea. I absolutely love this idea of a village leveling up the more money that the players spend in it. And it's a great way to get your players to spend that excess money, you know. And it's kind of like you can picture the town going, you know, going from like a little, you know, uh, Thorpe to slowly grow into a village based on the money that's being brought back from the adventurers. That all makes sense anyway, kind of like a gold rush or whatever. So anyway, great idea. Love it. Love it. Love it. So check that out. It takes a village to raise an adventuring party over at arrogantwizard.blogspot.com. All right. So for the final topic. You know, I'm going to be talking about it a lot more in depth on Sunday Zine Club this weekend, but I don't think I'd really be doing my job if I didn't at least talk a little bit about what's going on with Zine Quest 2 uh, right now. <clears throat> and uh, simply because more than anything, a lot of these have just very short funding periods, like two weeks is the max you're allowed, and some are opting for even you know shorter periods. So if I didn't put something up and just waited until Sunday and you're listening to it Sunday or after, you might miss out on some of this. So I've got a link up to uh, kickstarter.com where it's got ZineQuest stuff tagged. Now it does lump the stuff in with products from last year under that tag. However, the newer stuff is at the top and you can tell what's still active if, if it has you know the funding period and everything listed. So... Uh, I also put a link up to the Talon blog, talon.blog, 
And I've mentioned this one before <clears throat> here on Hump Day, but wanted to give them a shout out because week after week, um, they are following new releases on Kickstarter and do a crowdfunding collection. And so it's all gaming related stuff, not just source books. It's dice, it's board games, it's everything else. And they, this is number 132 that I've got a link to. So they've been doing it for a long time. And now this was released on the 2nd of February. So it was only the zines that were up at that point. But, uh, you know, you can expect there, you know, 133 to have all the rest that have been listed and everything else. So uh, I just want to give them a shout out because they do such a great job keeping people informed uh, of what's on uh, different crowdfunding platforms. So that's Talon.blog. So anyway, uh, yeah, um, several legendary anchorites are doing um, zines for ZineQuest, including Rudy from uh, Rudy's RPG Retrofit podcast. Um, Dave Aldridge from Deep Percentile, and of course I already spoke with Tim Shorts um, from Gothridge Manor a couple weeks ago on the podcast, and all their um, zines have funded, so congratulations. In fact, I'm seeing almost every zine has funded, you know, that's up, and in fact, uh, you know, some of the few that haven't maybe just launched or, or have a, a higher monetary goal um, for various reasons, but uh, it looks like a lot of these are successful. I'm excited for folks, and if I'm excited, I know they're really excited seeing that the money's come in, and then they can now shift from the, uh, you know, maybe the worry or anticipation of of, of whether their idea is going to connect with people, to now shifting to, um, you know, getting it out or hitting stretch goals and all that kind of good stuff. So, congratulations to everybody. A couple of quick tips that I've kind of mentioned on um, Sunday Zine Club already. There are going to be so many of these, and there's they're, they're not all released at one time. It's going to be staggered throughout the month. I saw several just getting launched today. And uh, so my advice is to be saving and following some of these. If you see an announcement for some and it's something you're interested in, tag it to be reminded. Um, but uh, be patient. Set a target. Set a monetary goal for what you're willing to spend. If there's something you know you've got to have, go ahead and back it, but be patient and let this stuff come out because inevitably there's just going to be so much good stuff. You're going to have to make choices uh, between two good things, you know, and um, I'm already looking at that. I'm following like 10 or 12 things, maybe less than that. I've, I've backed three that I had to have, and uh, but there's more continually coming. And so anyway, this weekend, I'm really looking forward to, to going more in depth on some of these with y'all as well as uh, talking about what I've backed so far, the ones that I'm really keeping an eye on, uh, and, and that kind of thing. So anyway, Zine Quest 2 is rolling now. Blink, and you might miss some of these. So be sure and go and check these out. And um, but, but, uh, but have a plan. You know, don't wake up dazed. <laughs> like, what happened? All right. All right, so that is the show for this week. Thank you again for listening. It is very encouraging to know that folks are enjoying the program and that uh, certainly motivates me to keep going. You can leave me a message about anything we talked about today by using the Anchor app or going to anchor.fm forward slash thought eater. There's a little message button there. Leave a voice message. I can put you on the show. If you just want to email me, it's froth, S-O-F, froth, so <laughs> I did that to myself. That's my own fault. Frothsoft at gmail.com. Again, all these links are up at the Thought Eater blog. Frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. 
Huge shout out to the folks backing me on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash thought eater. It is only a dollar a month. There's just one tier. You want to throw a dollar in the tip jar. You enjoy what I do. Chuck a dollar in there, patreon.com forward slash thought eater. Huge thanks as well to Frank T for supporting the map segment, patreon.com forward slash Frank T. If you're interested in sponsoring this program or the Sunday zine club, you can get in touch with me with one of the ways we already mentioned, and I can do something special for you on the show. <clears throat> Next you'll hear from me, 5-Minute Friday. Haven't thought up what I'm going to talk about yet, uh, but if you miss me uh, you know, ranting and raving a little bit um, about my Dice Tower, you can go back and check that one out. And then, then after that, Sunday, Sunday Zine Club, Episode 3, with an interview with Nate Treem, and a lot of talk about Zine Quest 2. Um, if you haven't caught up on those yet, uh, Episode 1, Includes an interview with Tim Schwartz of The Manor and episode two, Ray Otis of Plunderground. So go back and check those out. Uh, any feedback folks want to send me, let me know. Other than that, I just hope you have a great rest of the week. I hope you have a great rest of the week. And Logan, do it. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade. Zeroing in on your mental trade Gonna help you escape from the grind Thought eater gonna blow your mind